Hey, everybody, before we get into the show, we have a major earth-shattering massive announcement. Nikki? Yes, it is that time again, Pete Wright. Our monthly planning membership is open for enrollment. GPS stands for Guided Planning Sessions, if you don't know already. We've worked really hard here at Take Control ADHD to provide you with a service that not only gives you ideas and strategies on how to plan your day and your week, but it also provides time and space for you to do the work and not just by yourself, but with others who understand and support you. We meet every Monday and Thursday, and there are three different sessions for each day that you're invited to attend. We are dedicated to making this membership to be one that is transformative in the way you think about planning and taking control of your time and schedule. There are so many benefits to the GPS membership, so please be sure to visit our website at takecontroladhd.com slash GPS. Enrollment is open now through May 8th. Thank you for your time and attention, and I hope to see you soon. On with the show. everybody and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on Rash Pixel FM. I'm Pete Wright and I'm here with Nikki Kinzer. Hello, Nikki Kinzer. Hello, Pete. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Uh, I'm very excited about yet another podcast with you today and we are finally talking about parenting. Oh, parenting. And given the story that you told me about your night last night, I'm not going to out you. But my goodness, it sounds like what a timely day for you and I to hear about parenting in a pandemic. The pandemic parenting. The emotional management. Yeah, that's good. That's going to be something we're going to really highlight. I actually noticed in our show notes, I'm not kidding, emotional management's the only thing that's been in, colored in red in our show yeah, notes today. Yeah, I wonder yeah. why that is. That'll be good. Got the self-care, got the routine. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. And we'll good. talk about all those things. Oh, but yeah, good. I can't emotional wait. management's going to be good. <laughs> uh, but before we do that, head over to TakeControlADHD.com and get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to the mailing list, and we'll send you an email each time a new episode is released. Of course, you can connect with us on Twitter or Facebook at Take Control ADHD. And if this show has ever touched you, if it's helped you change the way you live your life, if you've learned something from one of our fantastic guests about how you live your life with ADHD, we invite you to consider supporting the show directly through Patreon. Patreon is listener-supported podcasting. With a few dollars a month, you can help guarantee that we continue to grow the show, add new features, invest more heavily in our community. Visit patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast to learn more. And I have to say, in our online Discord community, this week, we had a Brain Playground guest that did an incredible job. The Brain Playground, it's this place where every weekend somebody gets to take ownership of the stage, right? This channel is all theirs to do whatever they want, post whatever's on their brain. And uh, uh, I have to give a shout out to Tracy because I learned so much. I It was one of those emotional things. I laughed. I cried. It was better than cats. Uh, it was it was great. Uh, and so thank you. Big shout out to member Tracy for doing an incredible job of the Brain Playground. Can't wait to see what our next host does with the Brain Playground. So patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast. Hope to see more of you there. Marcy Caldwell is a psychologist, a writer, and speaker from the great city of Philadelphia, PA, and she's behind AD Depth, Adept. 
How do you say that, Mars? Adept. Yep. We go with adept. Adept. adept with an extra D. Uh, it's a <laughs> blog behind the strategy, skills, and tools to help you thrive with ADHD. Marcy Caldwell, welcome to the ADHD podcast. So glad to have you here. Thank you for having me. Welcome, Marcy. Thank you. So before we get started, I'll tell you everybody, because now that Pete has opened the door, <laughs> my situation I had. So I have a 17-year-old and a 14-year-old, and my 17-year-old, uh, you know, is taking the shelter in place, let's say in stride. And, uh, but the last few nights he's been home later than he's supposed to be home. And, uh, I had a conversation with him yesterday morning about what he needs to do when his curfew is, what he's doing, you know, clearing out all of the parenting stuff that you have to do. And then last night he's an hour late. I was a little bit upset. <laughs> And uh, I texted him some pretty harsh words about getting home, which is not like me. And even he thought he was going to come home and I was going to like kill him. So <laughs> she comes uh, home and like the godfather is sitting in I, I was an sitting armchair. waiting for him. <laughs> yeah. It's I, dark I, and all you see is like really, a lit cigar. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Except for it was my phone. But yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, I'm sure I had red in my eyes. I was so angry. And uh, he he's like, I'm really sorry. I made it. I made a bad choice. I'm like, really? I think you think you made a bad choice. So anyway, that was my parenting um, emotional. I don't know if I managed it, but I think he did get the point across. So that was good. So obviously today in today's world right now with the chaotic um you know, coronavirus parenting is extra stressful, I think, right? Because daily life is not normal. Um, I know you did a presentation at Chad uh, last November, and it was around parenting with ADHD. We have a lot of parents who are listeners of the show who have ADHD, who do not have ADHD. Um, the majority of them, though, I would say have ADHD. And are either parenting somebody with ADHD or, or not. It doesn't really matter. ADHD is in their family <laughs> one way or the other. Um, and you did. You had five different strategies that you talked about. And I thought today it would be great to have you talk about those five different pillars, I guess is what they're called, right? Pillars. Um, but yes, I definitely want us to look at that emotional management piece because <laughs> it would certainly help me out. So <laughs> where do you want to start? Yeah, I'd love to. So, you know, I, I, I got into this because I work with adults with ADHD and, um, when you do, you see lots of parents, right? Um, and when I went looking for resources for people, I found that there really weren't that many. Um, there aren't really any books written about parenting with ADHD. There are of course tons of books about parenting children with ADHD, but not when the parent has ADHD. Um, and so I ended up going to the research and kind of seeing what the, you know, the scientific literature said. Um, and, you know, and from there you kind of see all the outcome stuff, but it doesn't talk about kind of what to do. Um, and we really, most of us just want to know what to do, right? right. Um, and so I put all of the outcome research kind of together. And then from there, I delineated what, I, what I'm calling the five pillars of positive parenting with ADHD. 
Um, and so those five pillars are self-care, which I put as first because I think we so often put it last, right? Um, all the other things feel so important, and so we put self-care last. Um, but I think particularly with ADHD, it has to be number one um, because none of the other stuff is really possible unless the sleep and medication, if medication's on board, um, nutrition, exercise, when all of those things things are present and accounted for, then the other ones are so much more um, accessible, right? Mm -hmm. So that's number one. And then I then I talk about routines and habits um, as kind of creating some structure for the family and structure for the parents. Um, communication, um, both on in terms of kind of connection, um, as well as communication of rules and discipline and, and um, expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, and distraction management, um, you know, kind of putting in the external structures to keep as much distraction at bay as possible so that we're not constantly having to resist it, but instead it's kind of done for us. Um, And then emotional management. And I agree. I think right now emotional management um, is is really key. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, I mean, even just the annoyance level can get so much higher when they're when everybody's around all the time. Right, yeah, right. there's no space. But, yeah. It's yeah. amazing just how small my home feels. Just yeah. because there are, it's weird, there are so many bodies in it. <laughs> but, but and they I, don't leave. Yeah, they don't leave. I, I, think, it's, I, I think it's interesting then to, to just loop back to self-care because it feels so much like, you know, as we're you know, part of the, the emotional response challenge that I might be having is usually because my self-care routine is interrupted and is compromised in some way, shape, or form. Exactly, yeah. I mean, I think that self-care really is the doorway to the other the other channels, basically, mm-hmm. right? That, um, that if you have, if you've gotten your exercise, if you've gotten enough sleep, if your nutrition is on point, if you have medication on board, if that's something that you're doing, then you have more ability to, you know, be monitoring any issues as they're unfolding, as opposed to once they've totally blown up, right? Mm -hmm. You have more ability to kind of take some space when you're feeling extra irritated and you have more ability to come back and repair in case a blow up has happened. So I'm curious about that. How, what are the strategies that you would offer to people now around self-care when we are quarantined and we're not as, uh, you know, the possibilities aren't there to go out and do a gym class or to go run with a friend, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think there are a lot of uh, really great options in terms of at home, uh, workout in terms of exercise, right? There are a lot of out at home workouts that have been put forth. Um, a lot of the gyms have put forth free workouts. There, there's just there's a really kind of an endless supply of them. Um, but if it's safe for people, I'm really recommending that people leave their house and go, and go for a walk. Yeah, yeah. go for a walk, yeah. go for a run, because I think that you get such a added benefit if you're actually outdoors. Um, and then of course there's all the research around kind of green space and what that does for our focus and concentration and movement. 
mood, right? So if you have the ability to safely go outside and be in green space, that's my number one recommendation. Mm -hmm. It's just Mm -hmm. get out. Mm-hmm. And then would you put that and then as part of your routine to make it a priority? Yeah, is that exactly. what you recommend? Okay. Yeah, I think I think sleep and exercise right now have to be the number one priority, mm-hmm. right? That that you're because it and and I'm finding that this is really a challenge for a lot of people now that, you know, things are so much more flexible, right? It's, yeah. it's hard to get to bed right now. You know, we're like, you know, binging Tiger King on Netflix and, <laughs> and it's hard to turn it off. Right. Um, and, and yet when that sleep schedule gets thrown off, um, you know, oftentimes we still have a Zoom meeting at nine in the morning. Um, and so that just means that you get less and less sleep. Right rather than actually kind of being able to sleep in. And particularly for parents, particularly for parents of young kids, you know, you, you're, you get up no matter what. <laughs> um, and, and so getting to bed, if, if we're really going to kind of zero in on top priorities, I'm going to say getting to bed on time is the number, number one top priority. So that kind of, I think, ties into distract distraction management. Mm -hmm. Because when I talk to many of my clients, and almost all of them have sleep issues, a lot of the distraction is the phone or a device, right? So do you recommend something else? Like, do you, I mean, I know that there's times where people will recommend like, you know, shut off devices at a certain time, Mm -hmm. or I don't know, what are your thoughts around, around that? Yeah, with my clients, I, I often will say, okay, so what time do you want to be asleep? And I, I start with what time do you want to wake up? So if you're going to be waking up at seven, let's say, then you want to be asleep at 11, right? Because if we're asleep at 11, then maybe we'll get between seven and eight hours sleep. Um, so that means you want to be in bed at 1030. Um, and so let's turn screens off at 10. Let's give you an hour before you expect your brain to totally turn off um, from when when you have screens on and you have stimulation kind of bombarding you, right? Um, so if you want screens off at 10, they're not just going to turn off on their own. <laughs> um, and so we need to kind of put some systems in place. Um, you know, and there are any number of ways of doing that. And I, I kind of I look at which screens tend to be the most used. So if they're on their phone, then I talk about putting on some like do not disturb and um, screen time limits on their phone. Um, you can do that for computers too, right? Like the Freedom app is one that I often recommend for the computer that will just turn it off. Um, and um, and then the TV is a little bit more complicated. You know, I've, I've heard of people who put like timers on their TV and stuff like that, which is definitely a possibility. You can also put a timer on your modem. Um, but you know, like one of those old fashioned, um, um, Christmas light <laughs> timers. Yeah. And just um, have literally have power shut down yeah, on literally. your internet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Nuclear um, right. Yep. Um, or I just have people, um, you know, a step before that is, you know, put some, some reoccurring reminders on their phone at like kind of 9.30, 9.45, 9.50 of yeah. like, 
it, it's getting to be time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it possibly, you know, it, it seems like so much of the challenge, at least in the last four to six weeks, is that, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're used to trying to put, you know, to, to fight the distraction of our devices. But the, the real challenge is, you know what? Like, we're literally looking for distractions right now. Like, mm-hmm. our brains are are focused on finding things to help us not think about. Yeah. The world is burning, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so that that sort of cognitive dissonance is like, okay, if I shut down my screens, then what? Then I'm left with my own thoughts, and my mm-hmm. own thoughts are fireworks right now. Yep, yeah. That's a real struggle, especially at bedtime. You expect me to sit for an hour and just be with my own head? <laughs> are you kidding? <laughs> Calm. I don't know about uh, yeah. Marcy, but I mean that's one mm-hmm. of the things that I'll recommend to. Uh, clients is to do a meditation app, you know, calm headspace and listen to some of those stories because then you don't have to be in your own head, but Mm -hmm. it's, 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 you know, calming you down. Yeah. I I I love calm for that. Yeah. Totally. I, I, I'm a big advocate and I have one by my bedside. I'm, I'm, you know, this will surprise nobody, but I, I have a HomePod by my bed and I love the HomePod because it's a screenless speaker. Right. It is a thing that I can talk to, sure, but I can also play these meditations. I can play ambient sounds. I can play, you know, oceans and whatever. I can play that stuff. And and that is one of those things that that does help me fight the fireworks brain, because when I shut my screen off, I am like the last person I want to be alone with is myself because that guy can be damaging. Right. I need I need to have something going on to drive me audiobooks, too. I'm a big audiobook fan. And so. So let, setting a timer and just letting it go uh, is is important. Screenless screenless speakers. Some might call them radios, but I prefer screenless. <laughs> That's a nice word for that, Pete, really. Right, right. <laughs> Very fancy. Uh, well, I think that also oh, just regular books work really well, too. I, well, I'm sorry, what is true, this? right? Yeah. What, what is regular, this thing you what call? What is that fancy? <laughs> <laughs> you mean a, a book is something people don't read to you? What? <laughs> right. Yeah. You know something I've noticed about books now? I think it's because of my old age. I, you know, when you're reading them on an iPad or Kindle or whatever, you can zoom them in so that they're bigger mm-hmm. words mm-hmm. and you can't do that with a regular book. <laughs> I could just see you pinching and zooming the I paper. Know. It's like, come Why on, get a little bit bigger. <laughs> I, I have to tell you, my three-year-old the other day took out a, a book and started like trying to poke at it. <laughs> that's funny. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> no, that's, that's different. Screens have definitely been present yes. in our life recently yes as everybody else i'm sure too yeah. Yeah. um okay so let's let's talk about the emotions because they're they're definitely running high and i know that um a couple of our listeners talked about uh dealing with meltdowns more often right now angry outbursts this is especially you know for younger kids not young young uh, well gosh it's all over the board right um this particular person i think is nine-year-old it, it has a nine-year-old son you have three five we have teenagers um, how do we deal with that? How do we deal even with the antsiness of my 14 year old who's like, well, I'm going to start my new day doing nothing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> doing my part for the community. It's like, well, good mm-hmm. job. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, anything you can give us yeah. to help us, please, please help us, Marcy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think of... 
I like to think of ADHD as a, as a issue with regulation, right? Um, that it's about regulating, of course, talk about regulating attention and focus and things like that, but it also regulates kind of the two main domains of parenting, which are control and connection. And so the control being kind of the rules and um, guidelines and boundaries, right? Um, connection being that kind of emotional um just time with people, talking, communication, affection, that sort of thing. Um, and because ADHD impacts regulation, it impacts kind of the on-off, right? That the ADHD brain doesn't have a dimmer switch. Um, it has on-off switches. <laughs> um, and, and so I think this is part of what happens with the blow-ups and the meltdowns is that, you know, the ADHD brain might not be completely aware as it's getting more and more upset and more and more irritated, right? Until it hits that on-off switch and now it's really irritated. So it's kind of, it's building, it's building, it's building and it's not completely aware of it. It's distracted and over here, but as it's building, um, then it hits that crescendo and now it's like, oh my God, I am so pissed off right now. And the only thing I can do is blow up and let off some steam, right? And then we react in a way that we don't like. Um, and then we feel the guilt and shame thereafter, right? Um, and so I see it as kind of a three-part process um, that, and you can kind of intervene at any spot. Obviously, the sooner you intervene, the better, um, in terms of in terms of kind of how it plays out, but really intervention at any spot is useful. So, you know, the first spot would be as the annoyance and as the bad behavior is is building, right? So whether that's the kid is, you know, oftentimes the meltdowns happen when kids are feeling out of balance, um, and you know, and right now everything feels particularly out of balance. Um, so kids are much more vulnerable to it. Um, and so this is where kind of routines and habits really come in because routines and habits help at least account for some of that, right? It accounts for, because what do we put into our routines? We put sleep, we put in meals, we put in, um, you know, time outside, we put in play, we put in school, right? It like creates the balance for us. Um, and so it makes sure that all of those things that kind of can get little kids and, and bigger kids <laughs> and adults for that matter um, start to feel irritated and out of whack, um, it makes sure that those are taken care of. So routines and habits come into play here, but it, it can also just be kind of being aware and being kind of tuned in enough that you're seeing the little signals. And this is hard for the ADHD brain, right? It's hard to attend to the little things because that requires consistency. It requires, you know, zoning out of the, of the other extraneous details and honing in on what's going on with the kid. And that's not always what is, you know, bright and shiny to the ADHD brain. Can I ask you a question about habits and routines? Th that is something that's that's also really difficult for an ADHD adult to to have. And I know that a lot of parents feel, uh, you know, like they're just 
not getting it right for their kids. Um, and so I understand the importance of have, of having those things, but what if you're not feeling good about what you have in place or it's not consistent or it's not, it just feels different every day when, when you would rather it not be. Yeah. I think particularly because there's that role model behavior in there too. Like if you don't have your own routines and habits on lock, like it's very challenging to have any sort of expectation other than that for somebody else. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And it is really hard, right? Like the, one of the biggest issues with an ADHD brain is consistency. And what do you need in order to build a habit is consistency. And so I often talk about it as a routine rather than a habit. Um, and because routines, I mean, habits really need to be built up over time and, and have to happen all the time in order for it to really work. Whereas routine, you can come, you can fall off of and come back onto and fall off of and come back onto. That is a great point. I hope that people really emphasize, I mean, listen to that. I think that that's a great point. The difference between a habit and a routine. Routines you can go back and forth on and it's, and no shame should be a part of that. Yeah. I spend a lot of time with my clients on that as it just like what I want to emphasize is resiliency, not consistency, right? That I just want people to come back to it. When you realize you've fallen off of it, that's fine. No big deal. Come back to it. Um, that oftentimes it's that shame that then builds up a barrier to getting back on the horse. Um, and it's not useful at all. What really is useful is just coming back. Um, and so once you fall off, just get right back on. Well, and that's actually, the I, for me, part of that challenge is that it's not just a demotivator to get back into the habit. It's a motivator to do other things, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. If I'm not good at X, I better go have another bowl of cereal. Right. Like I better go like do something else mm -hmm. that is not what I that is not in my best interests. Right. Mm -hmm. That's that I think is the challenge because it's so easy for me to become distracted from my own failure. Right. Or, or from my own, you, you know, uh, challenge, then uh, that uh, that it, it makes it nearly impossible to get back to it. Like it's so easy to break a routine for me. And, and, you know, I think what something you said there is really interesting too, though, because it, there's a mindset thing there, right? Is that, is that, um, fixed mindset versus growth mindset where, um, if you fall off of something, then that means you're a failure, but, but it doesn't, it means that your brain, you know, kind of isn't, doesn't regulate its dopamine as effectively and sometimes has it and sometimes doesn't, <laughs> um, right. It has nothing to do with you as a failure. It has to do with this, this regulation of dopamine in your prefrontal cortex. Um, and, um, and so seeing when, when you can kind of have that mindset shift of seeing it as, okay, here's the opportunity to start again. Um, here's the opportunity to get back into it. Um, this isn't a signal of me being a bad person. It's just a signal that I need to regulate back in. Um, then, then you kind of open that door again. That's a, that's a really good point because, and you know, as the, the ADHD vessel on the show. It's like easy. <laughs> I, I just sometimes want to want to hammer home for everybody listening that I understand the instinct and the instinct is 
fixed. And it's it's so easy for us to sit here on this show and talk about fixed versus growth and all of these. And I totally get it. And then also in another time, when I screw something up or forget something, my instinct kicks in and I'm no longer in the context of being rational and growth mindset Mm -hmm. and I'm eating cereal and I didn't even know it. You know what I mean? (laughs) And so I think it's really important. I want to highlight what you just said because this is the big lesson for me that it's not just about like, like I'm not going to sit there and drop my cereal because that's a mess, like metaphorically and literally. What I'm going to do is is look for, again, the opportunity to get back into the routine. That might not be today. It might be tomorrow when my strength is up and my intention is up and my awareness Well, and is up. I think that's a good point is having some space between eating the cereal and then opening up the growth mindset again, right? It doesn't have to be in the moment mm-hmm. or yes. immediate. So I think that that's a um, an expectation or a pressure you can let go of. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yep. And that's the muscle to work on, right? That's the mm-hmm. exercise that we're, yep. we're practicing to get to improve our experience with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. great. And, and even Carol Dweck, you know, the originator mm-hmm. of growth mindset mm-hmm. talks about the times that she flips back into her fixed mindset, right? Mm-hmm. Like we all do it. Um, mm-hmm. And having some awareness of those signals for when we have done it is kind of the first step in then being able to kind of come back to it and walk and talk ourselves through it. So I was kind of talking about the the three steps where you can intervene, right? There, there's the the um, as the behavior is kind of escalating um, and doing that by kind of honing in and trying to stay as present with kids um, as possible, and then and then there's once that that switch has been flipped, and so now you're irritated um, and. Self-care really helps here because it kind of increases um, the amount of irritation that you can withstand, basically. The tolerance um, level, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it still won't do everything, right? Mm-hmm. If your kid will not stop drawing on the wall or whatever, you're eventually going to get irritated. Um, and so I often talk about the stop method, Um and the STOP method, you know, is an acronym. So um, S being um, space or separate, kind of taking, just getting away from the situation. Um, I have been known, and I live in a townhouse, so um, I've been known to go into my basement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just say, I'll be back. Um, that's normally all I can kind of get out in the moment. I say, I'll be back. I go down in the basement where I can get some space. Um, I have a I have a friend who goes into her pantry, um, <laughs> but just anywhere, <laughs> anywhere we can be alone. Shut them out for a minute Um, and then take a breath, Um, big, deep cleansing breath, Um, maybe more than one. Um, That's the T for stop. Um, The O is observe. Um, So first I say observe kind of your own body. What's going on? Is your heart racing? Is your breath shallow? Like, have you gotten into that fight or flight mode? Mm -hmm. Um, And then the next is kind of to observe what just happened, right? So 
Um, just trying to think the last time my kid really annoyed me. <laughs> um, there, it was, you know, the, the, my two boys were fighting. Um, and, um, and so kind of thinking like, okay, what just happened? Um, they've both been together for a long time. This is, um, now I'm kind of moving into perspective, which is the oh, first okay. P of mm-hmm. stop. Um, so what just happened? They were fighting. Why were they fighting? They've been together for a month, <laughs> mm-hmm. just the two of them. There's nobody else for them to play with. Um, mommy and daddy are working all the time, right? Like they're really annoyed with each other. They've had it up to here mm-hmm. with, with each other. Um, they're not the right developmental level for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're trying to make it work. So yeah, they're going to fight, right? So we bring in some perspective. We, we kind of broaden the horizon from just like, oh my God, they won't stop yelling to like, okay, what's going on? big picture. Now Mm -hmm. I have a little bit more empathy, right? Mm -hmm. Now that I've added some perspective, I have a little bit more empathy. Um, And this has taken a little while. So as I've been doing this, I've been breathing and my system has been calming down a little bit more. And so now it's stop is spelled with two P's, by the way, the Mm -hmm. stop method. So the, the second P is proceed. So there, Mm -hmm. then you say, okay, what am I going to do? And so then now that my system's calmed down, I have some perspective. What are my next steps? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, and so then you kind of re-enter and you, and you practice what works. That's so interesting. I really uh, like the perspective piece because you're really taking the time to look at it from their point of view for a Mm -hmm. moment, right? It's not just what you see or how you feel. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. I, I wonder, Nikki, if you workshop that, how does that change your reflection on your experience last night? Still mad. No, <laughs> <laughs> no I, I, it's interesting that you say that though, Pete, because I do understand what happened and I know why it happened, but it still wasn't, um, it still wasn't okay when I just had the conversation that morning of yeah. what to mm-hmm. do sure. in this situation. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, I do get, I do see it from the other person's perspective. Um, but like he said, he made a wrong choice and yeah. he knows it. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. But yeah, but it is interesting to taking the breath, observing yourself. I mean, all of that's so good because you are, you're kind of tuning into how you're feeling because I think all of us, I mean, whether it's in your stomach or you get red or you get tense, it's like you can feel uh-huh. the the emotions, you know, uh-huh. and they come on strong and they come on fast. Uh-huh. <laughs> There's yep. no doubt. Um, so this does, it gives you that separation. And, and uh, I really like this. <laughs> So, so that's, that's the kind of when that energy gets high, but let's just say you blew up anyways, right? Um, you totally had a meltdown, you yelled, you did things that you wish you didn't do. Um, and now you can come in and repair, um, and repair is kind of the third place where you can intervene, right? So then you can say, you can connect with the child and say, I'm really sorry. You know, mommy shouldn't have reacted that way. I, um, I, I shouldn't have yelled. I shouldn't have said X, Y, or Z. That was, that was wrong in the moment, right? And so you own it. Um, 
Which teaches them to own it as well, right? Yeah, exactly. That's why I say like intervening at any level is a good intervention Mm -hmm. because this is also really useful. It's really useful for kids to see that, yeah, mommy and daddy blow up sometimes. Mommy and daddy, you know, have meltdowns sometimes, just like I do. Um, And when they do that, they then come around and they make it better. Um, and this is how they make it better. And so having that repair at that level is also really useful and also, you know, good in terms of connection. Absolutely. Because then it's not just the argument or everybody nagging. It's, it's the connection mm-hmm. piece that you can get, you know, right. uncon- that unconditional love, still love you, yeah. still think you're great. You know, I wanted to change gears just a little bit if if you have insights on this. I think all of these tools are fantastic and they all come to bear in uh, one area that I think a lot of parents are living with, trying to grow through and structure appropriately, and that is quarantine schooling. How do you create an environment that exists to nurture and create a mood and perspective of learning? And also, by the way, you're not a professional and uh, a teacher, teacher, right? These responsibilities are hard for so many people who are also trying to work from home. Do you have any thoughts or insights on on how you might help people um, uh, manage that? Yeah. You know, I, I think it probably really depends on the age of the kids uh, as to what's necessary, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, for, for my own kids who are three and five, the three-year-old, there's really no schooling. Um, for the five-year-old, he does actually have some responsibilities um, and some schoolwork to do. Um, but you know, but it, it's relatively limited. Um, and, um, for, for our experience, and I think this is hopefully true for, for most kids up until, you know, seven, eight, um, where the school responsibilities are relatively limited and the focus can be more on kind of entertainment and play. (laughs) Um, And so then it's kind of, you know, finding the right time in the day where they can focus in. Normally that's going to be in the morning um, and creating some kind of routine around that. Um, And if schools have kind of a morning meeting or like any kind of actual check-in where they actually have to show up for something, that's really useful using that as kind of an anchor. Um, And, you know, and for the for the older kids, I think it's more about kind of meeting and connecting with them on, okay, what are your responsibilities? How can we, how can I as a parent help you structure this? Um, so kind of lending your own executive functioning capabilities to their more limited ones um, and saying like, what, what do you need and what's going to kind of best help support you in this time with the with the requirements that you have and then emotional management and stop method and all of those things right (laughs) i have to keep reminding myself that even though you know i i have two kids who are wonderful and adorable and they are they have are learning right along with me about their own experience with adhd uh i i have more years behind me of managing them. Even if I, when I am feeling inadequate, <laughs> right, my, it, it, my level of inadequacy still comes with more experience. And even that can be helpful. 
Like I just have to, that's like a mantra, right? I can, I can still help support even when I feel like I'm struggling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, you know, from what we've been noticing, at least with our school district and, and with the work that the kids have been doing, it, 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 you, we're all doing the best that we can. Our teachers are doing the best that we, that they can with the resources they have. And, and, uh, you know, I think that one of the benefits is if your child is having a hard time, then, you know, give them a break. Let them have a break. It's like, don't force it. I mean, I, I read something, um, an article about, you know, the relationship is more important right now. So we got to make sure we're protecting that as well and not worry so much about the math assignment, you know, that will get done eventually. It just may not get done in that hour that you maybe thought it would. Um, but I think everybody everybody's productivity is a little bit different right now. So we have to give ourselves some grace for sure. Yeah, I think that's so important, that relationship piece. You know, that uh, it's funny, I actually just reposted, I don't do this very often, but I just reposted on social media a, a quote from a teacher saying, you know, like, I will get your kids back on track in September. Um, what I need you guys to do right now is stay calm and stay connected and stay loving. Um, and, you know, make this time not a traumatic time because it's the trauma that's going to kind of lock kids' brains. Um, but if we can kind of make sure that this continues to be as, calm and loving an environment as possible, if we can kind of reduce the trauma of this event, um, then we can get them back on track. Like it's a couple months over the course of a lifetime. They, we can we can totally do that. Um, it's not the end of the world. Um, that it's, it's the emotional connection. It's the relationship. That's what's important right now. Well, and I love that yeah, because the perspective there is something that's just so pro-learning, right? I mean, if, if, if I have one job, I feel like it's don't let my kids forget what it's like to love to learn something new. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that that's going to be the anchor for them to go back into school and figure out how to love whatever is there is to learn next. Exactly. This is this is fantastic, uh, Marcy. Thank you so much for taking the time uh, from your quarantine base uh, to join <laughs> us and talk guys. to us about all of this stuff. It's been uh, a lovely variety to my quarantine. Truly. <laughs> where would you like people? Where would you like people to go to learn more about you? Sure. Um, www.adeptadept.com org um, is my blog and digital resource um, and from there you can also link to my you know my professional um, my practice and things like that but um, adept.org is probably um, the best first place outstanding Great. links will be in the show notes thank you everybody for joining us and hanging out with us this fine day uh, in the live stream and uh, thank you all for downloading and listening to the show we appreciate your time and your attention. On behalf of Marcy Caldwell and Nikki Kinzer, I'm Pete Wright. We'll catch you next time right here on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. 